Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. When life inspires you with a grand idea, you have a choice. Embrace it, even if you don't know how to make it happen, or run from it, thinking that someone else will do the work that needs to be done. My guest today embraces life on every level, and he had an idea that he brought to life, changing young lives in an incredible way. Stay tuned. It's not to be missed. I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio and CEO and founder of the Baca Institute. Head there to discover your creative advantage by taking the Creative Innovator Quiz. Find out your personal in creative innovator style so you can open your creative flow and make everything in life easier. Learn to optimize your ability to create more in less time while enjoying every minute. So my guest today is Angel Rebo, known as the CEO Confidant. And he is an international TV host, public speaker, CEO consultant, board member, and philanthropist. In the last 25 years, Angel has empowered more than 1,500 CEOs in 33 different countries to bridge the, the gap globally for expansion and exposure. He was born near Barcelona and has lived in eight countries and speaks five languages. And we the other day found out, you know, suddenly that we both speak French. It was such a surprise. I didn't know that about Angel. <laughs> Early in 2017, he launched his international foundation, Wisdom for Kids. And his, he has helped more than 1,000 underprivileged kids in Latin America become entrepreneurs using their local resources. And this is why I wanted to talk to Angel, aside from the fact that he is um, one of the more intriguing people that I've met, and, uh, and we have great fun. <laughs> so welcome, <laughs> Angel. Thank you. Thank you very much for your wonderful words. I have to say that I've never had such an introduction. I was tuning into every single word since he, since you started to, to to speak, and I was having chills as you were going and moving mm -hmm. forward. So, thank you very much for such a warm introduction, mm -hmm. and, and obviously, thank you everybody for listening. Mm. You are welcome, Angel. So, while there's a lot of things I want to talk with you about, I'll just say that. But focusing on the wisdom for kids, this this foundation that you started. Yeah. I want to ask you, because we as a global entity mm -hmm. should be taking care of everybody. I mean, should, everybody should be cared for in that sense of we're all connected. But why are there kids in need in the world? What's your sense about that? Well, I, I would say that probably the reason why the kids are in need is because probably they are not aware that they are in need. I think mm. that they probably don't know that they are in need. They are living in a particular community and they are who they are and they do what they do and that's it. They don't mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. They really don't know, right? And right. probably 
they don't even know, even if they die of a starvation, probably they don't even know that they were in need because they just found or they just lived a life that was normal to them because they didn't see any difference. Right. So it's probably us that we come from a different frame of reference or point of view that we realize that these kids have a this huge potential. You said that we are, in, in different words, but you said we, we are all one, right? Mm-hmm. We, are, mm-hmm. we are all one. We realize that they, they have this um, infinite potential of changing their communities, changing not only their lives, but changing everybody else around them. But they don't know because they just don't know. It's, it's this, you know, this very sometimes absurd statement of they don't know what they don't know, but it's reality. So they don't know. And, and, and probably many people in their area or in their community, they don't want them to know more. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because that keeps the status quo. And then the people that are in power within a status quo get to stay in power. At least that's the, the way that that ostensibly works. Exactly. So maybe another question could be like for those community leaders, right? Uh, are mm-hmm. they aware of the needs that these kids have and what mm-hmm. are they doing about that? About that? That's, that's another question that maybe we could send to them. Right. And, Mm-hmm. And just in Latin America, as you know, um, there's, there, there were in 2012, 81 million kids living in poverty, 81 million kids living in poverty, 81. Wow. We're talking about a community of around 170 million kids total in Latin America. So that's around 45% of, of, of kids in Latin America living in, under the threshold of poverty. Mm-hmm. That was 2012. So I was just obviously throughout all this. We're, we're right now; it's September 2020, which me, which means that everybody knows what's going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. So probably right now, and in a few more months, those numbers probably there's we're talking about well over 90 million kids in Latin America living in poverty and and being you know underprivileged and being in need. And not being able to utilize the resources that are available, not being able to tap into their own potential. Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's the really sad part for me is it, it's not only the well-off that have potential. You know, we all have that potential. If we're not tapping into it, the world is suffering. It's not just the the people, the kids in need that are suffering potentially. It's that the world is not having the benefit of what they have to offer. Exactly. And, and, and the suffering, the suffering is obviously comes because the people around them, right? Mm-hmm. They become, I mean, the kids become aware of the suffering when people around them, the adults, their tutors, their grandpas, who, you know, grandparents, they have to face a lot of challenges in their lives. So, so then eventually the kids feel that suffering. Mm-hmm. One of the things, one of the things that we see all the time, regardless of the kind of community we go with, wisdom for kids, is that there's always resources available to them, mm-hmm. always, always. And the paradox it goes even further. So the levels we have, obviously, we have studied, we have analyzed the levels of poverty in different kinds of community in Latin America. And it ranges from 50% to 95%. Hmm. And so just to tell you an example, suburban communities have 50% of kids living in poverty. 
when you go to rural communities, it's 75%. But when you go to indigenous communities, mm-hmm. that goes up to 95%. Wow. And guess what? The ones that have the most resources are the ones who live in the most poverty. Mm-hmm. Because when you go to those indigenous communities, they typically are isolated, but they are surrounded by so many natural resources, Lori, yeah. that you wouldn't believe. So do you see this amazing gap? Like mm-hmm. the more you go outside the big cities, the gap is even larger. So imagine you only have to like ignite, you have to spark something on those indigenous communities. Mm-hmm. And when they become aware of the incredible resources that, I mean, the stones, the minerals, the precious metals, mm. the, the, the trees, the vegetables, the, the, the coffee, the, the, you, you name it, the cinnamon, the, 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 the mangoes, you know, all these amazing things that are, because they are indigenous communities, like far mm. away from everything else. If they knew, if these kids knew what they can do with those resources to make them available to other people so they can add value to other lives and then mm-hmm. they can establish some sort of, you know, chain of reciprocity so they can get, you know, they can get money in return of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, elaborating, processing those resources. Imagine, so is, is, isn't it crazy? Like, you know, you just have to spark that, you know, that uh, thought on those kids and then they suddenly become aware of the real possibilities in their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So, you know, I realized the question that I should have asked you to begin with is, what is wisdom for kids? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, so well, basically, well, Wisdom for Kids is an international foundation. I, I live in, in, in Plano, Texas, north of Dallas, but mm-hmm. it's an international foundation. Um, uh, it was created... After uh, an epiphany I had in 2015, and I immediately reached out to one of my best friends. That epiphany happened in Mexico. I was already living here in the U.S. I've been here for 10 years now. I reached out to a very good friend and business partner of mine, and I told him, hey, I just had this experience. I think that we should do this, and I would love you to be with, doing this with me. And he, he thanked God. He said yes, and then he actually grabbed his father, so we, we, all three of us were the genesis of Wisdom for Kids. We founded together this international foundation and only in a few months it was up and running. And, you know, then we started to think, okay, so how, how, are, we gonna, how are we going to do this? How are mm-hmm. we going to help kids? How are we going to find kids? What's the best way to address poverty? What's the best way to, to teach them effectively? What's the best way? And obviously the reason why my friend brought his father is because his father had been training teachers, literally training teachers for over 50 years. Mm. He had written 75 textbooks that are still today being used in many Latin American countries. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have this feeling that like for your entire life, you were were getting ready for something. Uh Uh-huh. So that's the reality. And then this gentleman, amazing, amazing, obviously amazing human being, he, he, he had several, you know, PhD students and he actually gave two of his PhD students with the task of, would you be willing to write your PhD thesis based on this that we would like actually to take to reality? And they said, wow. yes. So that was a research project. So 
the actual content of our workshops with the kids uh-huh. are the result of the research of two PhD students along with this professor of this university in Mexico. Wow. By the way, their names, their names are, I have to obviously, uh, their names are Salvador Camacho, father, and Salvador Camacho, son. Okay. Mm, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Of course. Of course. Of course. So I, I, I want to go more in that direction, but I have to ask you a question first. Absolutely. Uh, Angel, what is it in you that allowed you, and, and I want to say allows in the present tense, to, to receive an idea and quite a, you know, per, perhaps outrageous idea that, where you say, I don't know how to make this happen. However, I'm to do it. I, I active, you, you actually felt like this was something that was yours to do. How, what is it about you that, that um, opened that door or maybe allows you to step through a door that was already open? I think that we all, Throughout our lives, probably we we change the way we see what happens around us, right? Um, mm-hmm. The first time that I understood that what we are here to do is to actually impact the lives of others, mm-hmm. the first time I, I heard that, and actually he, that person I heard that from, he also said, you're going to be successful in any business and venture that you undertake as far as or as long as you are able to bring a lot of people and provide value to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. That message, I heard it in October, 2012. And that message, it's, I mean, I probably have heard the same message thousands of thousands of times, (laughs) but I wasn't a, I'm unleash your power within event by Tony Robbins. And probably it was like the whole atmosphere created in that event that made me, think, oh my God, it's so true. It's so true. I never thought of this. So my success and my failures in my life have always been tied to the amount of people I've been able to help. So Mm -hmm. instead of asking myself, should I do this or not? Why don't I ask myself, why not? Why not? Mm -hmm. If this is being presented to me, why should I not take action? Why should I not take action? When I said I had an epiphany, so I had this spiritual experience, but I said, why not? I, in 2015, I have to say that I was already on a path, already on a path to leave corporate America. Mm-hmm. I was living here for five years, but I was already on a path to do that. So again, it's like several things happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. That experience and being open to receive that experience and to analyze it, that spiritual experience said, okay, why not? Who is going to be more prepared than me in Latin America mm-hmm. or in the world to do this, this than me? Sorry if it sounds a little bit presumptuous, but no, but but it, it's more sounds true rather than presumptuous. Yeah, who else? Mm-hmm. Who else has had this experience? Who else has gone has been through all these manufacturing companies? Has deal or dealt with these thousands or thousand uh, fifteen hundred companies in the entire continent? Who else has been on those? impoverished areas because every time I was, go- I was going to visit all those CEOs, mm-hmm. their manufacturing plants or their buildings of those manufacturing plants, guess what? There were more in the outskirts of the cities. There were more in rural areas. Why? Because they would bring all these workers from those areas. 
Mm-hmm. So guess what? At the same time that I was building my business, you know, my, 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 the business for the companies I was working with mm-hmm. in my for-profit business, at the same time, I was being exposed to that poverty, to those kids that they would come to me every time we go to one of these manufacturing plants and they would say, hey, would you buy me some gums? Would you buy me some fruit? Would you, buy, would you allow us to keep your car safe while you go inside the plant? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure that you've, you've been to yes. poverty areas yourself, and this yes. is something that you, you're actually picturing yourself, those Absolutely. moments in, in your life in which you've seen mm-hmm. that, right? You are maybe yes. you're, you're stopped at the traffic light and a kid comes and asks you, knocks at your window and says, you know, senora or senorita, right? Or, you know, would you be willing to, you know, ma'am, would you be willing to buy this from us? So it was when all those things clicked that they said, why not? Who else is going to be more prepared? Who mm-hmm. else can knock the doors that I can knock at mm-hmm. to get things done? Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. That, I love the, the, that sensing of, of asking yourself, why not? It's a, it's a much more freeing and empowering question than to say, well, why should I do this? How come I'm the one? And so, let me actually, let me relate this again. I, I'm, I'm, I always, when I answer my questions, I totally go with my heart and with my intuition. Mm-hmm. It's like when you personally, with what you do in this world, right? I mean, uh, we're talking about innovation. Mm-hmm. How much of the innovation in this world is being co- created because someone said, why not? Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. not? This crazy idea, this crazy concept, why not? Why are we not allowing ourselves to try this out? Yes. You know, wh- why not? What is that infinite, you know, field of uh, possibilities that we have mm-hmm. access to? Mm-hmm. Why not picking, you know, grabbing one of those and, and trying them out? Exactly. And they come to us for a reason. It didn't exactly. come to somebody else down the street from you. <laughs> I wish. Because it could have, you know, everybody's connected to that field. It could have, but it came to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wish it had, right? Because then I would be probably like meeting hundreds of people at the same, to, at the same communities I go. And I would be, we would be partnering up and we would be like joining our forces. Mm-hmm. Yes. So maybe, maybe they got the messages, but they didn't follow through or they, they thought. Exactly. You know, because I have to say, and you probably face this too, which is when you are involved with a nonprofit a lot, and when you explain the story, people say, wow, you know, they, they, they raise their eyebrows, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know that, and I'm, 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 I'm aware of that, but it's always, okay, so what are you going to do next, right? So it's, it's fascinating, and it's fascinating for me because I go there and I personally... I roll up my sleeves. I mean, I go there and I, and I teach the workshops myself. I mm-hmm. jump with the kids. I, I sing with the kids. I play with the kids. Yeah. I, this, I do all this silly, weird stuff, <laughs> right? Um, it's you to a T. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But, it, you know, but, but I love it. Yes. Yeah. I, so I, it feeds I, you. Exactly. Of course. <laughs> exactly. It, it feeds me and, and, and obviously it feeds all those kids and, and, and mm-hmm. the way we, we designed it, it it's, it's, it's there to stay, right? It's, we did it in a way that, that we really want to change those two hours, initial hours that we spend with those kids. 
mm-hmm. are designed for them to really embrace what we are teaching. Mm. No, it's not a whiteboarding, blackboarding kind of workshop. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Not at all. It's totally based on energy. Yes. Yes. Ooh, I want to come and teach. You'll have to translate for me, though. No problem. <laughs> Something else that we can do is actually we can look for a, in Latin America, there are a few communities which are actually English speaking communities. Oh, okay. So in the Caribbean, there are a few. So we could definitely go to former, you know, mm-hmm. former Dutch slash British mm-hmm. uh, colonies, in. colonies, mm-hmm. you know, and actually I have a very good friend of mine in, uh, in Trinidad Tobago that I'm sure that, mm. that he would love, he would love you to, actually we've already proof tested the, the, the workshop with, with him. So. It, it, so and, and since again, we can do it in French too, we could, we could look at West Africa. Totally. Absolutely. We can talk about Africa too. Okay. We can, we can talk about Africa too. <laughs> <laughs> so many things coming up, Lori, come yeah. on, give me a, give well, me a break, Lori, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. Well, that's what I want to talk with you about next is the whole idea about entrepreneurship. Because one of the things that I saw, I haven't done traveling in, in Latin America, but I have done been in, in uh, a number of places in Africa and what I experienced there was the incredible level that already existed of entrepreneurship. So what is it about um, your work, particularly in this foundation, with the underprivileged kids and entrepreneurship? What is it that you're seeing as the, um, the holy grail? <laughs> so... First, maybe number one, the reason why we thought that was the good idea was because part of my work in corporate America, while I was Mm -hmm. helping all those, you know, C-level executives and CEOs Mm -hmm. and their teams and and leadership teams is that I was actually working with my own team, but I was also working with the teams of my business partners. Mm -hmm. So very often I had to teach entrepreneurship to my business partners. Ah. So picture this. In the 90s, when I started to work for corporate American companies in Europe, I started to actually help entrepreneurs or companies to become themselves entrepreneurs, the company leaders. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. My, my work was not only to like develop business per se, like mm-hmm. generating more revenue and more sales, blah, 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 but also help them keep their, those skills learn while we were doing that. So mm-hmm. I was always in a position of training them and coaching them and mentor them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at some point, just to give you an example, I mean, I, I, I like numbers because what you don't measure, you cannot manage. <laughs> so at some point I had 130, 140 people in Latin America that I was teaching and training and mentoring and, on, and coaching all the time. And those were my extended team of people that I was helping develop their own businesses. And we mm-hmm. have a lot of very nice stories. So that was probably why when we were thinking, okay, so how are we going to tackle the poverty problem? How are we mm-hmm. going to do it with the kids? Mm-hmm. We said entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship. It's like entrepreneurship. I come from the business world. I've taught so many entrepreneurs. I've helped so many high level executives. I've done all those things. We have to, help those kids you know bottom line Lori, we are helping those kids become ceos 
of their own of their own brand, yes. their own company, or, or, or CEOs of the future companies, or you know, mm-hmm. you don't know, right? You know, you, you just don't know. But you are giving them, you are giving them. What we really do, Lori, is we make them aware of the real potential, mm-hmm. and we tell them that whatever path they pick is going to be good and it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You know, their lives are going to be all right. Yes. It's going to be good. They have to believe in themselves. And that's you know? the foundation of what you're offering. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Again, my, our, our two hour workshop, again, the initial workshop is so unorthodox, <laughs> you know, it's so unorthodox. So, like, so you know, my, my mom is a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I have one sister who's the teacher. I have probably two or three nieces who are teachers. So I'm surrounded by teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, I volunteer in the school district where my kids go. So, you know, so I was like, kids were like something very natural for me besides, you know, meeting with them on those underprivileged areas and everything. It was very natural for me to say, I want to really teach those kids. So mm-hmm. they start believing in themselves yeah. since they are kids. And I have to confess I, I prefer to teach seven-year-olds than 15-year-olds. <laughs> I mean, with all due respect, right? I, I, mean, I understand. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you know, obviously you know where I'm coming mm-hmm. from. Because why? Because, oh my God, we're talking about clean slate? Yeah. We're mm-hmm. talking about, the, you know, a wide, impeccable, immaculate, <laughs> mm-hmm. no canvas. And so many of them are still connected with themselves. They haven't, they haven't learned enough to not to question, but to doubt themselves. Let me tell you something. It's, it's like magic. You know, we are, we are, we are right now being, we are part of, our, of the same totally because of what I'm going to tell you. Okay. The most powerful minutes between 15 and 20 minutes of the workshop is the meditation. Ah. It's the meditation. We do a meditation with them. Mm-hmm. So we give them very precise instructions on how to meditate and we start meditating and we have a series of affirmations and we have a specific music. Again, everything has been designed like to the, to the character, mm-hmm. to the second, to the second, because we really want to make sure that we, what we do there is life changing. Mm-hmm. So when we first started to, to proof test the, the, the workshop, we said, oh my God, we, we had our doubts, right? I mean, how are we going to make sure that this group of kids, any number of kids are going to be meditating with us mm-hmm. or following our instructions? So the, 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 great, the greatest thing happened. As soon as we started to test it, the kids are natural in meditating. Mm-hmm. Totally, mm-hmm. totally. They engage with their higher selves. They engage with Again, everybody has their own way of thinking, right? Their own mm-hmm. way of explaining and defining. But they connect to their higher selves much faster than anybody else. Anybody else. Mm-hmm. So they follow the instructions like nobody else. And then when we, when, when we let's say, when they say, okay, that's over. When we say, yes, mm-hmm. come back. Most of them, they explain stories. They really, really, they start explaining, oh. hey, I was in that place, I saw that, I, I had that experience, blah, blah, blah. It's amazing. It's amazing. So I wish, I was going to say that before, I wish that 
we had the power to like probably like change the educational systems in the world. So they, they embrace this kind of activities very early on mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in their, in their programs very early on, like as, as soon as pre yeah. k Because that's when we, when we're raising them, the chill, the leaders of tomorrow, of course, and also the innovators of tomorrow. And it's something I so want to do because it, it, the, the, the act of connecting people or not even connect, because they're already connected. These children are already connected. It's, it's how to teach the teachers ways of supporting that and raising that to the next level. Exactly. Exactly. That's why it's, again, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see how the kids in the indigenous communities mm -hmm. are the most grounded into nature. Mm -hmm. They are the most, the, the, the ones that feel that connection with whatever we are part of more in depth, more deeply. Interesting. Is it because it's part of their culture that it hasn't yes, because been removed from the culture? That's part of it. But, I, but sadly, I have to say, when I try to engage on these conversations with their parents, mm -hmm. many times you see the culture because they, they dress differently, right? They dress, you know, you would say it's folklore, you know, folk, but it's not. It's, it's part of their, of their, it's part of their culture. They, they, mm -hmm. they dress in different, you know, they, they dress differently. They, they have different, you know, generation after generation, there's a lot of different parts of that culture that, that are being transmitted, right? But mm -hmm. um, I'm, sadly, I was going to say, it's being forgotten. Those, mm -hmm. This culture is being forgotten. We see that every day. So this intrinsic, you know, this intrinsic connection with the nature is still there, mm -hmm. and they find it normal and natural, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but they don't know how to explain it because the culture is being lost. Those indigenous communities are, are, are sadly and mostly, you know, losing those teachings coming from the grandpas and grand grandpas, mm -hmm. those stories explained, you know, around the campfire, these kinds of things, they're being lost. I, I remember they keep the language, they speak, they still speak, you know, indigenous languages, but mm -hmm. when you start asking questions, you realize that they've lost that part. Mm-hmm. And, and for us, actually giving them a way to think about the resources differently mm -hmm. them, and making them aware of the wealthy, of how wealthy they are, how wealthy they are, excuse me, of the wealth around them is part of that, is part of our journey with them, is part of what we are trying to teach them. Yeah. What have you seen change? What have you seen? I mean, I know you haven't been around for years and years and years, but You've been around for a few years now. What have you seen change? Yeah, they, well, number one, they, they remember us when we go back to the same community. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, if we go back, they remember us. So that's the first thing. Um, we try to, um, we, 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 every single time we deliver a workshop, we kind of screen the kids. So we identify who can be the best candidate for doing some certain things. <laughs> so, the first thing that, that communities, community leaders or tutors or parents tell us, the first thing they tell us is they are open to more things. That's the first thing they tell us. Mm -hmm. They are open to more things. Okay, mm -hmm. so they have different discussions. We leave them, we give them a, a booklet. 
we give them a booklet which contains actually which contains the affirmations. Unfortunately, we still cannot leave them with the music. That that will come with time over time. But we leave them with that booklet. So that's kind of an anchor yes. of what we of what we did with them, right? So they can always go back to them, and we always obviously we encourage them. Hey, keep on reading those affirmations every time you can. Keep on revisiting that place that you visited while you were meditating with us today. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what we see is that they are they ask more questions to their parents. That's what we see. Hey, I would like to do this. I would like to do that. One of the things that we ask them during the workshop is, what would you, what would you like your profession to be in the future? Okay, mm-hmm. what, what would you like to be? And almost everybody has already some idea, right? Because their parents are already that thing, or because they see something on, or maybe on on on, on the area. Some of them have TV set, others obviously they've never seen a TV or they don't have a TV set or they don't watch TV, right? But but they all have an idea of or an understanding of what they would like to do and what they would like to be, most of them, Mm -hmm. you know? So we tell them, if you want to be that, it's perfect. But if you would like to explore other ideas, it's perfect too. Mm -hmm. There's There's no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. When we're saying that in the workshop, we know mm-hmm. that probably they will go home and someone might tell them, you have to be that because you will have to provide for the family. And the best thing you can do is to be a teacher, a doctor, a nurse, uh, or you have to work for the police department or you have to work for the military, which we have. Mm-hmm. You know, sadly, sometimes we get the answer, I would like to be a member of a cartel. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's a true story. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you hear that, but there are some areas which are dominated by drug cartels, mm-hmm. and we accept it, we embrace it. I mean, we don't, we're not doing anything wrong, right? We're just trying to wake the kids up and, and show them other possibilities. Yes. In other, the, the most advanced kids, kids, they have additional ideas, and they propose those ideas to their parents. And when we when we visit this area again, or when we touch base with, with the people that we lead, with the volunteers that we lead in those communities, we live in those communities, they tell us, hey, they started this small business. They started to, start to sell some food. They started to do some bracelets. They started to do this or that. And obviously, wonderful. yeah, that, that's wonderful. As you can also imagine, depending on the area also, those kids, many of those kids also work. Of course. Some go to school, mm-hmm. others don't but some work and they work long hours along with their entire family. Mm-hmm. For instance, there's a place where we go often and it's a very, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful area in the mountains, uh, but there's a lot of coffee. And I would say there's, there's in this area, there's eight, eight, eight excuse me, 186, 87 different communities mm-hmm. in that area, mm-hmm. independent communities. And most of them work, on the coffee plantations, collecting coffee or whatever it has to be done, depending on the season, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that those kids spend long hours in these areas and we have to accept it and we have to, you know, embrace it. Mm-hmm. So again, everything is good. I mean, that's, it's really important. Self-esteem, like whatever you decide to do in your life is going to be good. Trust in yourself. is going to be good. So these are messages that, in a way, that all of us need to hear, but you're taking them into 
a, a particular part of the world and a particular slice of the community that, that hasn't had these messages, hasn't heard them. When we talk, I have to tell you, we, nobody knows in any government that we do this. We never talk to the, you name it, okay? mm -hmm. mayor, mm -hmm. governor, we never do it. It's not that we don't, we don't want, we want to do something under the radar. No, we just want to do our thing. When we talk to the community leaders, the uh -huh. main reason why they say yes, the main reason why they say yes to us is, oh, are you going to do this? They, they first ask, are you going to do this for free? Yes, and we of said, course. of course, of course. <laughs> so please come, mm -hmm. please come. We're not going to tell anybody because if you don't come, our kids will never ever get this message. Mm, right. There are suburban right. communities, interestingly enough, there are suburban communities. So let's say we go to a school, establish a school. The principal says, we have nothing. We have nothing. From, from you know, first grade up until eighth grade, mm -hmm. we have nothing like this. Mm -hmm. We've never heard of that. We would love to come here. Mm -hmm. And when we get to that place, they treat us as if, maybe not aliens, but, you know, like <laughs> we're bringing someone which is so valuable. Yes. And we are not only impacting, obviously, the kids and their families. We are also impacting the community leaders and, in this case, the teachers. Of course. The teachers course. are there. Some of them are disengaged and we are fine, you know, it, it's okay. But some others are totally engaged and they, they jump up and down with us. Ah. You know, they, they literally, they, they jump mm -hmm. up and down and they sing and then meditate with us. And, you know, and, and they, they become volunteers for us or with us, along with us during the entire, you know, uh, experience. So it's... And that's it's, one of the things I wanted to ask is it seems to me that if you were to... Um, bring the teachers in more fully that they could act as the bridge to continue what it is that you, that you open up. Exactly. And that, that's why we have to open up also the box of interest in, in their careers, right? Let's say, so yes. for instance, something we haven't started to do, we, we are bringing books in English mm -hmm. from here, from the U S to those communities. Mm -hmm. So then what happens is that suddenly the teachers are the first ones who are interested if we go to places where there's schools, right? Or the community leaders, they're very interested in those books because they ask us, okay, so will we be able to learn? Will we be able to learn? So mm -hmm. actually we provide them with books in English. Mm -hmm. Typically we collect them from schools, local area, you know, Dallas schools. Um, there's also authors. There's authors in the U.S. that gave their books away, mm -hmm. literally. Um, and uh, we take those books and we, we take them with us and we bring them to those communities. And this is an opportunity for the teachers to learn English and probably it's going to be the first book ever they had, they had books in English. Uh -huh. And they also can use those books when they learn because obviously they have more community leaders typically have access to more resources than the kids in their communities. Yes. So th this becomes a teaching tool for them too. Wow. So they have a personal interest to learn English because they know that it's going to offer that, 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 that small gift that one family from Texas, you know, mm -hmm. decided to, to give, to give away, uh -huh. that becomes a huge important asset for that community leader mm -hmm. to have an, another option in their lives to be able to understand English, even if it's in a very basic level. 
right? And then they translate that into the rest of the community. Yes. And I have, obviously, I, I do that all the time because I, mm-hmm. when I go, sometimes the kids, oh, but we don't understand it. We don't understand it. I, I personally translate books into the kids when we have mm-hmm. some breaks mm-hmm. or we go back to the community or we stay longer after the workshop and we mm-hmm. translate the books. I have a few very, very nice videos of doing that myself. Oh, how fun. How fun. Yeah. So I, 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 I want to ask you a personal question and as we start to wrap up, but uh, of course, this might take us into a different direction. How have your travels, because you've traveled a lot in the world, how have your travels informed your life journey? Well, I, I would say that every, number one, for some reason, I always felt natural traveling. Mm-hmm. I remember the first trip ever in my life. It was to Scarborough, North Yorkshire, in the, in the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. it was to learn English. And I remember it because it was extremely traumatic in the sense that, you know, I, I literally almost didn't speak any English in, in one month. I was sharing my room with a foreign student, another foreign student. I was surrounded by foreign. So everything was traumatic. But after that, it became natural. Mm-hmm. So in college, I started to travel a lot. And then I had my first international working experience in the UK. And then I started traveling to so many countries for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. So being able, well, number one, it has made me comfortable with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Very, very comfortable with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So for me, uncertainty is actually a source of wisdom and of wealth. Ah, uh-huh. okay. Totally. Uh-huh. Because it allows me to, if you are open enough, right? If there's two ways to be on a completely foreign country in a train station waiting for a train at midnight, which has happened to me many times, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can be in fear or you can be curious and you can start walking up and down the platform, looking at signs and analyzing signs and people waiting along with you and mm-hmm. who is in command of the platform or of the station. There's many different ways to be present in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that traveling and being exposed to so many levels of uncomfortability, if that word exists in English, <laughs> that, has, that has made me the person I am today. Yes, yes. That, that makes perfect sense to me because that, that being in that in-between place, not, not being certain and being willing to be uncertain, you know, not, not having the comfort of, of predictability means that we have to tap into something other than what we already know. We have to tap into something that's beyond our uh, usual, what our usual five senses offer to us. So we become literally, I mean, it's, it's going to sound maybe um, exaggerated, but that gives you, that gives you a safety net, mm-hmm. you know? So if I had to go right now, I mean, like, if anything happened and I had to change my life and I had to, so what? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what? Yes. You know, so what? You know, what, what was, what's the worst thing that happened? Yeah. So what? You know, so what? And now that, for instance, we, we live in a, again, September 2020, we live in a, in a universal, let's say in, in an earth, <laughs> earth-like of different oh dynamic, <laughs> yes. right? Mm-hmm. So so what if I had to change and I had to go and live somewhere else? So, mm-hmm. so what? Yeah. But that, that yes. kind of being uh, daring, right? Daring would yes. be maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
it's 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 already too late for me not to be daring. <laughs> That's beautiful, Angel. Can you tell our listeners how to um, find out more about Wisdom for Kids and also more about you? Absolutely. Thank you. Well, the easiest way to connect with me is definitely sending me an email. It's very easy. It's angel, like angels from heaven. So angel at angel rebo. Rebo is my last name, which is R-I-B as in boy O, angel rebo, one word, dot com. That's my email address. Very easy. <laughs> okay. Um, to find my, you know, my the website for my uh, um Nonprofit Wisdom for Kids. It's Wisdom for Kids. Wisdom for Kids. Today. Wisdom for Kids. Today. In Spanish is uh, niñosabios.org, which would be niñosabios.org. Mm-hmm. Okay? So those are the two easier ways to find either my foundation, Wisdom for Kids, or to find me. Okay. And obviously, I'm very, very responsive. And how about your divine adventures? Yes, exactly. Thank you. So the name of my of my uh, for-profit business company is called actually, interestingly enough, is uh, Divine Human Ventures. Divine Human Ventures, and that's let's say that's that's the company behind the brand, the CEO Confident, as you said very well ah, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So let's say uh, Divine Human Ventures doing business as the CEO Confident. Wonderful. <laughs> Angel, thank you so much. This has been such a rich conversation and 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 fun. Thank as you. Always. <laughs> thank you for the opportunity. Obviously, this is a two-way street, so you've made me extremely comfortable thing and you've made me extremely comfortable today. So thank you for inviting me. Thank you for allowing me to be in connection with your audience. It's been a pleasure. And mm-hmm. again, everybody listening, thank you very much for allowing me to be here with you today. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Angel. And thanks for being with us today at Wisdom Talk Radio. Join us here regularly for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination. And remember, you can find us on your favorite place to listen to podcasts. And if you've enjoyed listening today, please leave us a review because that helps more people access the wisdom and to collectively to transform the world. And for more about fast-tracking your ideas to creation and revenue, Find me, Laurie Seymour, over at thebacainstitute.com. Take the quiz and find out your creative innovator style so that you can turn your ideas into reality without missing another moment. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, Our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook.